This podcast is brain powered by the University of Sydney. We are controlling transmission. Sleep Geeks, Dr. Carl, and Adam Spencer. Hey, welcome, Sleep Geekers. It's the Sleep Geek Podcast. Adam Spencer and Dr. Carl. If you haven't listened to our last three podcasts, go back and have a listen because today, Carl, we put this to bed. We're going to get through more than one Twitter time. Question. So the number that this is brought to today is the number two, because that's the number of Twitter questions we're going to get through. At don't least. say, don't say anything, because if you open your mouth, we're gone for twenty minutes on a tangent. No, roll that sting. What's up? Twitter time. Yeah. Come on. Twitter. Carl Jonathan Ferguson, Jono abroad, sent us Jono. a little tweet. Jono said, "Carl, Adam, does sunlight kill odors? We put the dog's bed outside." during the day, yep. to air. I'm wondering if the sun helps or if I'm deluded. Is Jono deluded or does the sunlight in itself kill odours, Dr Carl? Via the ultraviolet content. So oh. sunlight has uh, the visible light bit yep. and then it's got the ultraviolet A, B and C. Uh, a is the closest to the blue and then you get further and further down. And by the way, that is the demarcation line between ionising and non-ionising radiation. Uh-huh. So ionising radiation in, starts with ultraviolet and then goes on into the X-rays and the gamma rays and it causes cancer. X-rays cause cancer. We do the X-rays only because the diagnostic benefit... Is greater is, than yeah. overall. Right. So, and it has never been proved ever anywhere that non-ionising radiation, visible light, et cetera, radio waves, yep. can cause cancer. And the thing is that mobile phones fall and microwaves fall into that range. They have never been proved to cause cancer. Whereas in ionising radiation, you might remember back to school, you've got an atom, got a bunch of electrons going around it. Yep. If your energy, in other words, ultraviolet light and then into the X-rays, gamma rays, et cetera. If your in- incoming energy has enough energy to knock an electron off, mm. you've turned the atom into an iron, you then call that stuff ionising radiation. So there is ionising radiation coming from the sun, and in Australia we are proudly the skin cancer capital of the world. Ah, that's where that, that's the link. Mm. Okay. So getting back to the clothes on the clothesline. Mm. Um, well, in fact, the dog... Dog's bed outside. Which is part of it. And, uh, yes, I, in hanging clothes on the clothesline... Oh, here we go. I actually go to the trouble of turning the T-shirts inside out. Yes. And... Why would you not? And the underwear inside out, so that way the sunlight can shine on the areas where you may have farted Mm. and therefore can kill any bacteria that have been hanging on really, really tightly Uh to the fibres of the cloth, even after they've been through the washing machine. Might have survived the washing process. Okay. Okay, so it is... So, Jono is right that the sun does help kill the odours. Yes. But it might not be the part of the sunlight that he automatically assumed. That's right. It's the invisible ultraviolet. And just as a little aside there, Mm. in America, in a Hollywood movie, which, of course, are the ones that we see... Absolutely. If you want to show that a family is poor, yeah, you have a tracking shot of the house and at the front there's some children's toys yeah. lying there and you come around the back of the house, the poor people, they have a clothesline. Yeah. Only poor people have clotheslines mm. in America, whereas in Australia, I love the clothesline. Absolutely. Got Carl and I, have, we've, we've identified ourselves before as man washers. I could go off on a tangent there, but I'm not going to, Carl, because we've got another... Twitter time Can question. I just do one very quick. Oh, God. 
Yes. You, you and I go for the maximum efficiency. Yes, we do when hanging out our washing. Yeah, in other words, you might not have a lot of sunlight, so you have the big ones and the little ones and the big ones and the little ones to staggered, so that way the sunlight can get through. If the, sun's, if the sun is rising in a certain arc, put your big sheet at the back, don't put it in front because it course, casts a shadow. Of course. Why can you not see that? Go out halfway during the day if you're lucky enough to be at home, move the sheet to the other side once the sun's gone over. Yes. If you're using a small rack that you can actually, portable rack, you rotate it during it's the course of the day. Yes. yes. Yes, yes, yes. There is another way. Yeah. The ownership of the clothing. Mm-hmm. Because we sometimes have four or five people in the house yep. with different items of clothing. Mm-hmm. And so another form of stacking, which I had not come across yep. and I am supporting only because I'm outnumbered, yep. is that you line up the clothes or you stack them according to the quadrant belongs to this human, ah, that quadrant belongs to person that Person by human. person. Yes. Are you on, are you, are you, are you on a, like a rotating, like a oh, hill's hoist? Oh, oh, well, the hills don't do rotating anymore. Right. If you want to do hill's hoist rotating, you have to go to a non-hills one, which looks just like the hills one. But you're talking that sort of clothes. That, that sort of See, I've only ever been, I've, I've only ever been the parallel drag them across. That's good, but you want the free I don't, rotation. I don't, I don't live on a palatial estate like yours. 424 square metres is not quite palatial. There you go. But still. On to our next question. We're there. I can't believe it. And it's 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 linked in some ways. Laundry, fresh laundry, beautiful. Oh. The smell of fresh laundry. Tim asks us on Twitter. In question number two today. Number two, ha. Huh? In what order did human senses evolve? And are there more senses on the way? Great question, Tim. Well, let me answer the second part first. In January 2013, there was an article in the Scientific American about how we'd finally managed to join the electricity in a metal wire mm-hmm. to the electricity in a nerve. Ooh. And they're different forms of electricity. One is just electrons going along and the other one is action potentials. I'll say that again. Look it up in Wikipedia. Action Potential, whole new universe of how a nerve carries electricity. And we worked out how to do it. And so the phone of the future, we're talking about sensors here, of the yep. future. The phone of the future will be something like a grain of sand mm-hmm. buried in your body next to a nerve, say the nerve of your upper arm because you don't accidentally bang that too often, and getting its electrical energy from the juices of your body because you get your energy from the juices in your body mm-hmm. and, and the food that you eat. And on one hand, being able to talk to the nearest internet tower via conventional electromagnetic radiation. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, being able to talk to you into your brain. And so you might ring me up and I would then talk to you through my brain. I would think the thought. So you you would think, I want to ring Carl, then your phone, which is a grain of sand in your arm, would talk to my phone via the cell phone network, Mm -hmm. mobile phone network, and then I would have this phone conversation with you in my head. And you can see the advantage, of course, is you don't look like a crazy person walking Mm. down the street shouting loudly, yes, I have some milk, not knowing that there is an automatic gain reduction circuit in the phone. There are a few disadvantages. Number one, what, Adam, what if you, in the heat of passion, happened to think of me and did a pocket call. I know, mm. I know. Sure. Right, okay, second decision. I could, I could, I could frame a market on the odds of that, but I, I take your point. <laughs> second one. What if in the act of passion with someone, you quickly remembered the person who you're normally meant to be having your acts of passion with? Right, mm. uh, okay, right. And the second one, how do you do a selfie? 
But which then brings you to we could genetically engineer ourselves mm-hmm. to not have to have this external phone. Mm-hmm. It could be as part of our DNA. We can't, Because we can pick up electromagnetic radiation. We can pick up infra, uh, infrared, we, we call that heat. We can pick up visible light and it gives us rainbows. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the radio waves, we can't pick them up. Well... Why don't genetically engineer ourselves so that we could? So we could. Some people apparently suffer from electromagnetic sensitivity syndrome. By the way, I spoke about it in that funny voice. I'm pointing out that I'm I'm highly sceptical. In other words, these people walk into a house and if somebody apparently has a mobile phone or has Wi-Fi or has a smart electrical device that measures the electricity, they they then have headaches. I'm highly Uh sceptical of that, but some people claim they have it and I could be wrong. I'm admitting that I could be Uh wrong. So So what you're saying, when Tim asks, are there other sensors on the way, we could certainly genetically engineer ourselves to be able to... to them if, if this electrical sensitivity is real. Mm-hmm. If. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, the first part of the question. In what order did the sensors that we currently have evolve? Could beings pre-human see before they could hear, taste, smell, Smell is touch, the first one. Smell? Yeah. Okay, so all life started off on Earth in liquid. It didn't go, start off floating in the air. I don't think, and it didn't start off in dry granulate sand, mm-hmm. but rather in liquid water on our planet, water, yep. so chemicals could come in and go out and you could be carried by the currents. So a sense of smell... I'm, th- I'm thankful at this stage that we got through that first question quickly because <sighs> I, don't, I don't think we're getting beyond this second uh, one, but this is, this is good. So the sense of smell is the essential thing. How so do, you yeah, sense yeah, the how, environment. How do, how do single cell or small number of cell organisms smell? The naked molecule lands... On the cell wall, it then triggers a receptor on the cell wall and then the cell says, yummy, I will eat it, or this is bad, I'm getting out of here. So it hits the cell and the cell chooses to take it in or to expel it and move mm. away from it in the same way. Because when we – some people don't know this. If, if, you, if you make me a lovely vegetarian stew and I smell it, I'm actually smelling it because certain molecules of matter from the food – have gone into my nose and been absorbed into my body, yes? Yes, and these molecules have to be small ones with a molecular weight under 300. So hydrogen has one, water has 18, insulin has 5,000. So Mm. it has to be small molecules for you to be able to smell them. And so in the same way that when I'm smelling dinner, it's actually bits of dinner coming inside. I'm I'm already in some ways eating dinner when I'm smelling it. You have already consumed some of your host's meal by the act of smelling it. Should people block their noses with little clothes pegs as an act of respect? Could we start this off as a new form of polite behaviour? Probably not. No. But that's – so the cell then taking something in from its outside, that's equivalent to – very basic smell. Yes. Do we know if hearing or sight emerged first? They were, oh. So then you move on to the... Touch. Uh, touch. I'm actually reading about touch and the first paragraph, which was, why can't you feel Braille with the head of your penis when you can with your fingers really got me? I'm sure it did. I haven't finished reading the article <laughs> yet. But, so touch is a very early one. Okay. So, but-, but touch is not just touch. As a medical doctor, I would press people and say, can you feel that, by pressing with my finger, and then I would get a sharp needle and prick, uh, and and not prick the skin, not not break through the skin, but just push against the skin. And people 
when I did that, instead of saying, oh, yeah, I can feel that, and I'd say, do you feel the sharpness? They say, no. So there's b- blunt pressure, there's sharp pressure, oh. there's vibrating pressure. There's rapidly vibrating and low vibrating. I think this is what they're talking about with the head of the penis not being able to do Braille. Talk about Rapidly like. vibrating? Well, I, I haven't got. I haven't finished the article. It was just the first paragraph. I look and, forward to it. Yeah. That's only the first paragraph. That's a, <laughs> a great opening, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. That, that's, that so, hooks you in, that. So, You've got to keep reading. So I would guess that first you've got smell. Yep. And then the whole hearing apparatus is incredibly sophisticated. The whole um, visual eye that we have is sophisticated, but you can have something that responds to vibrations in the environment mm. that would count as hearing. You'd have something like a tree knows if the sun is shining on it or not. So they've got vision. Yeah. It doesn't have eyeballs, but they've got a vision this, sense. This is all part of the counter-argument to intelligent design of look at how complex the eye is, how could that have evolved from nothing? It must have been made by God. Well, it wasn't just animals without eyes and then suddenly they had kids that had perfectly functioning eyes. <laughs> no, it came in little tiny steps yeah. along the way and they say, okay, you found the step between A and B. What about the step between that one, and then you find that, and they say, well, what is the next step? So what they're doing is they're trying to prove God by saying that he's not there in the vanishingly small steps, and then when you find one step, they find another. It's a wasted argument. And uh, I, I do remember reading somewhere that within, not in terms of evolution of a species, which was what Tim's question was uh, specifically mm. about, and Tim's question comes from Eichberg in Denmark. So I, pre- I, I presume that's in, is that Denmark? E-S-B-J-E-R-G. Give me your unwieldingly large phone. I'm going to type that in and ask while while we get. But I do remember reading. You see, you can't find it. It's in your man bag. Oh, so big. I I do remember uh, reading somewhere. Uh, Yep, you're going, yep. That within an individual's life, when it comes to sense, that normally. I'll put it onto the. There you go, yep. Normally, touch is the first and last sense. Oh, okay, so when you've got that an individual mother. will come across in their own life. Yes, because when the baby is born, it has enough neuromuscular innovation wired in as a reflex that if you shove that baby up against the nipple with a nice smell, it will go suck suck suck. And in fact, I did that to my boy when he was born. And so I got every visitor to come along and then shove into his mouth their little finger with the fingernail down and the pulp upwards so he would get a healthy dose of random bacteria. Yes. And as a result, he's two metres tall. About six foot 18. Oh, God. Big lad. Do that? And, 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 and so and if you think about the, most of the ways that people reach a physical decline, it's considerably more likely that you'll go blind yes. or deaf or even lose your sense of taste or smell before your taste of touch. It's normally the last one to leave you. With your sense of vision, you don't lose the ability to pick up fine detail, but contrast. Ah. So light grey against a slightly lighter grey. And in museums, why do they think it's cool to have the words explaining the exhibit in light grey on a slightly darker grey with no light at waist height, I don't know, in tiny print, but... They've found that they can reverse this in elderly people. What they do is they have a computer screen and they give them 
the different shades and they say, can you see the different shades? And they've got two circles. Can you see the circles? Mm, maybe. And then they start the circle rotating, one rotating clockwise, the other one going, staying stationary. Mm. And they say, which way is it going? Oh, clockwise. Or for our Americans, counterclockwise, not anti-clockwise. Mm. After all, said an American to me. What have you got against clockwise? Mm. I'm not against clockwise. I'm just counter it. Mm. So, and what they do is they keep on dropping the contrast back and it's really hard and it takes hours and it's exhausting. And at the end of this time, they are left with a semi-permanent permanent improvement in their contrast vision that oh. lasts for months. If you train for a few hours, you get three months' worth of better contrast vision if you're an elderly person. There you go. Who knew such a thing could happen? And Tim was from uh, Esberg, Esbjerg, E-S-B-J-A-R-G, Esbjerg. I see from your pronunciation you know where that is. I I think it's a seaport town on the west coast of the Jutland Peninsula in southwest Denmark. Wow. If you were in in Colding and you wanted to get there, it's about 71 kilometres west of Colding. Oh, is Colding famous for something? No, it's uh, 71 kilometres east of um, Esberg, but that's about it. So there you go. Thank you very much for your question, Tim, from Denmark. What's the capital of Denmark? Uh, Copenhagen. Copenhagen. And uh, I'm going there. Really? Yes. So I'm taking a sailing boat up into the Arctic later this year. <laughs> and then coming back via Copenhagen. You rugged solo man, you. <laughs> well, it's not quite a tinny with uh, my wife and I with a raw... Uh, with, with a single oar and a, 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 and a sail. Reenacting the journey of someone who died doing it a century <laughs> ago. Slowly, no. But it'd be interesting to see it. It's a terrible thing that's happening up in that part of the world. Do you know how much volume of ice we have lost in the Arctic in summer since 1980? A shoot load. It's not 8%. It's not 18. Oh. It's 8 0. 80%. 8 0 percent. That is a horrendously large number. What a spooky coincidence that that's happening around this time. Well. What a natural variation to be observing. What an interesting natural thing that happens all the time anyway-ish. I don't believe it. No, climate change is real. We cause it's going to be bad. And back in 1977, Munich Re, the world's largest insurance company, factored global warming into its insurance premiums in 1977. Come on, they know it. Thank you so much for your question, Tim. Thank you for your question, Jonathan. That's two people, two questions in this week's Sleek Geeks podcast. If you've got questions for us, uh, at Sleek Geeks, hit us on Twitter and we'll uh, love to answer them uh, sometime in a later podcast where Dr Carl might also be answering why you can't read Braille with your penis. The head of the penis. Geeks.